Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. We hope you had a fantastic Christmas and we hope you're gearing up for a wonderful new year. You know what? We just miss Christmas so much already that we're going to just keep talking about it on the show today. Why not? I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Cole Wissinger. And today we are going to be looking back with our uh, frequent contributor of ours, uh, Jacob Gowans, going over some of our favorite Christmas movies. But then we're also going to do a segment that we don't do enough on screen cleaning, and it is called Silver Lining Cinema. And we'll explain more about that later on in the show. And it's all holiday themed. Right. We wish we had some movies to review for you on the show today, but we don't. There are plenty, plenty of movies out there right now to choose from. And if you didn't get to catch Aquaman or Bumblebee or Welcome to Marwin or Into the Spider-Verse or Mary Poppins or any of the ones that came out last week, uh, go check them out again because they were all pretty good. You know, I consider myself as someone who sees a lot of movies, and yet there are still so many that I have not seen. So it's a good catch-up week for us. Plenty to choose from. And, you know, not to mention, coming up next month, uh, which is a, a month that Cole's not a big fan of at the movies, is also going to be a time where you can start seeing all, all of these awards bait movies that are, you know, gunning for an Academy Award. Yeah, January is a... It's a very special time in the box office. Tell us why it's special to you, Cole. (laughs) It's because it's so terrible. So there has (laughs) never been a good movie to air in January. And I don't know if you notice this, if you're just a casual movie fan, but allow me to clue you in. What happens every year is that in December, you have a lot of blockbusters because they know that families go to the movies around the Christmas season. and We got the time. Especially right now, today, between Christmas and New Year's. Families are in the theaters all the time. You can. There's a lot of money to be made if you release your blockbuster here. But also, if you have an awards baity prestige movie, you got to release it before the end of the year, and so you release that right now as well. And so then the studios are all out of good movies to put out, and so January rolls around, and people are still just going to see what came out in December, and so the only new movies are less quality wise. Cole, so I just I'll play I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just going to play a little devil's advocate here with you. So we've got Mickey here, our wonderful wonderful producer, and she's just going to give us a sampling of what is to come in January. Okay. So, we've got Escape Room on January 4th. That looks a like it could be really entertaining. Kind right? of horror teen movie. Right. right. And I love escape rooms, so I will be going to see that, I think. Although probably not an awards winning movie. <laughs> I think we're safe to say. Um, we also have The Upside on January 11th, which looks pretty good. Now, That's this is the a, Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart, and buddy it's a drama. drama. Wow. <laughs> Kevin Hart in a drama. That'll be interesting, Cole. We'll have to see. Okay. Um, also January 11th, a Dog's Way Home. Ah, I another talking okay. dog movie. Now here's Cole, where it starts right? to go downhill. And it, it looks like it's a complete clone of A Dog's Purpose. By the same, same author, author of A Dog's right. Purpose. Okay. So we got to do better than that, Mickey. Okay, what about Glass? 
Hey, now that is one that people are super excited for, the Cole. third in the Shyamalan verse. You got Unbreakable Shyamalan. and Split before that. <laughs> the Shyamalan that. verse. And now we have Glass. Another another PG-13 horror kind of so thing that's now, coming out. So now if January is the dump heap, then why are they releasing Glass? Is it just because there's absolutely no competition? They want to just, just, just want to crush it? Split made a lot of money when it came out in January, and I think they want to copy exactly that. Okay. But mm. again, I like a glass and I like these kind of PG-13 horrors, but they're not exactly crowd-pleasing, critic-pleasing good movies. So, but it sounds like okay, January might be a dump heap with a couple of notable exceptions. Can you concede me that? Maybe. And we didn't even mention the kids movie that's coming out, The Kid Who Would Be King that also just doesn't look good. Cole What have you got against the millionth iteration of the King Arthur story? But Jeff and I will see some of these, (laughs) and maybe they'll surprise us. We'll have reviews for you all January, as we always do on Screen Cleaning. Okay, so that's coming up in January. Didn't I hear that the Grammys are coming up, too? They are in February. So we've already we already have the nominations. Mm -hmm. But here's something that I think is interesting about the Grammys. So they have categories as every award show does but in the at the grammys they all sound very similar for instance you have album of the year record of the year and song of the year now if you had to guess what mm. would you say the differences are so album uh, of the year record of the year and song of the year yeah an album would be the whole album right that consists of many songs mm-hmm. a record could it be so a song would be a song a record an album's an album a record could it be either maybe so like you could have a single on a single record mm. right on a 45 so maybe it's just a song or maybe it's just the best single record that was pressed maybe it's a maybe it's an indie thing maybe it's all the hipsters you know there I've, was a record i've got to confess decide. i've never watched a single grammy awards <laughs> ceremony ever I have, but I no, but I don't anymore. Hmm. I like to look up the winners, though. I might be interested in watching it if this was like the last award that somebody needed in order to get the EGOT, which is the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony. Mm-hmm. But other than that, probably not. Never. So what is a record of the year, Mickey? Okay, so album of the year. Let's start there. You're right. It is the whole entire album. Now, this is all according to Vox.com. Originally, the album of the year went to the artists credited with the creation of the album and the album producers. But now, the sound engineers and the mixers are also honored. Well, that's a reflection of yeah. modern music, right? Mm-hmm. I get there that. you go. So it's kind of like the whole everybody. Now, record of the year is given to the performing artists. The producers, the sound engineers, the master engineer, and the sound mixers. Okay. That's a lot of awards to give out. Vox tells you how to remember it. Instead of thinking of record as a physical spinning record, think of it as the product of a recording studio. And it's just one song. If anything, it should should only be like the the sound mixers and, you know, the recording who's it's because – I mean, so much of music is auto-tuned and, like, post-produced these days that those are the guys that are really making the artists sound good. Now, that's not to discredit the artists. I know that, you know, they've got a brand and they 
they do some of the work, right? Right. And they also <laughs> are honored in Song of the Year because Song of the Year is for the song writing. Right. Um, okay. So as you award the record of the year, it's the best produced right. song. And the Song of the Year is the best written and performed but song. But here's the thing. Like if you win Song of the Year, let's say you're like a Justin Bieber type – is it Justin Bieber accepting it, the award, or is it like the the middle aged guy that nobody knows that gets up and gets the award? So, from my experience um, watching the Grammys, it will be Justin Bieber because that's who people want to watch. Except the award is Justin Bieber, but they will give uh, the all everyone who is worthy of the award a little. Gosh, statue. That's why we I can just hope. root for Taylor yeah. Swift because it makes things simple. Oh, because she writes her own stuff, right? And so do probably a lot of other people. Yeah, I, I know. I don't, don't, don't want to make. I I didn't mean to sound harsh on uh, <laughs> on musicians. There, that's not my my great uncle was a musician. Nice. He was. He didn't have an egot, but he had a Golden Globe and was nominated for an Oscar. No way. He wrote. The Academy Award nominated theme song, he and his wife, to the movie Benji. I feel love. Okay. Wow. I guess insert cricket noise <laughs> yeah. here. My grandpa I don't know has that I've seen Benji. A regional either, Emmy. Folks. Regional Emmy, that's yes. nice. He does. It is nice. Local TV, man. Mm-hmm. And again, for the record, I was not making fun of my great uncle. He was nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. I would have loved it's one to, more Oscar than I've been nominated for. I would have loved to have seen the Golden Globe that they won, and I would have loved to have watched the ceremony that they attended. But I was not born when that happened. Oh, I was going to say, what did they do with it? Did they melt it down or something? <laughs> I There's don't know. no written record of it happening. <laughs> That's okay, cool. award season is happening. We're all smarter than we were ten minutes ago. All right, so. Now we want to give out an award on the show here today because, as oh I understand, gearing up for our Christmas discussion with Jacob Gowans here in a few minutes, Mickey has put together a little Christmas quiz for Cole and myself. Is that correct? Oh, I wish I could take credit for putting t- putting it together. Uh, that credit should instead go to BuzzFeed. Hmm. But – I'm going to give it to you. So I'll take credit for that. Okay. (laughs) The administrator of the quiz. Right. All right. So how do we want to do this? It's a Christmas movie quote quiz. I just want to say I'm going to destroy you, Cole, because (laughs) you have nothing but bad things to say about Christmas movies that aren't Hallmark Christmas movies. True. Okay. So let's do it this way. I'll read the quote. Would you like... The like the multiple choice, or well, do you just no, want to go? No, no multiple choice. When Jeff can just answer it without the multiple choice, which will probably be all start, of them. Start without multiple choice. Okay, and then and we then might if it's need. too hard, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to race each other, or should I ask Cole? And then if he doesn't can't get it, defaults. Um, what How do you think? Would you prefer Cole? to win, Jeff? We can just race each other. Yeah, we'll okay. race. I'm that confident. Okay, here we go. I don't know what to say, except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's correct. Yes. One Just watch it. <laughs> well, oh if, okay, here, here's the next one. You ready? Well, if you're Santa, what song did I sing Elf. for you on your birthday this year? <laughs> correct. <laughs> oh, happy birthday, of course. <laughs> He's like, dang it. Okay. Am I just eating because I'm bored? Ooh. I know I this one. Just eating because I'm bored. It's not like the holiday or anything, is it? 
Cold, you know? I don't know. Okay, I think we want multiple choice on this one. Okay, is it the Santa Claus? Is it Elf? Is it How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Or A Christmas Carol? Oh, the Santa Claus. Is it, is it the Jim Carrey How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Oh, Cole got one. What? I've seen those around the internet. Oh, my goodness. Cole got one. That's a really funny part of the movie, too. Wow. So I would recommend. The Grinch talking to himself (laughs) is a highlight of it. My wife does not appreciate that I actually like the Jim Carrey version better than the Benedict Cumberbatch version. She is not okay with that. As long as the Mm -hmm. Boris Karloff version is on top. Oh, yeah. It is. It can't be touched. Go ahead. Okay. Next one. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That is the Santa Claus. That's correct. Yes. It was the Santa Claus. And that's not even one that I am a huge fan of. Yeah, me neither. But they did make three of them. Oh, the Escape Clause. And then the Jack Frost one. Yeah, I can't remember the name <laughs> With of that. Martin Or maybe Short, the third right? one is the Escape Clause. I think the Santa yeah, Claus the 2 Santa is Claus, just the Santa, Santa Claus, Claus 2. 2. Santa Claus 2, like Santa Molly, Claus gets a wife in the second one. Yeah. I do like Molly Shannon's cameo in the Santa Claus 2 when he's like going on a series of dates and she's pretty great in it. Anyway. There we go. All right. The next <laughs> quote. This bell is a wonderful symbol of the spirit of Christmas, as am I. Just remember, the true spirit of Christmas lies in your heart. This bell, it could be it's a wonderful life because there is a – they make a point about anytime, anytime a, bell a bell rings, rings an, angel an angel gets, gets his wings. Um, also, there's a it bell It could be something that, in a Christmas carol. Or like Holiday Inn or White Christmas. Doesn't Ben Crosby play I'm gonna, bells? I'm going to let Cole try to answer this one. I, I will guess it's a wonderful life. Well, that is not even an option. Well, Whoa. Okay. Choice. So what are the options? We've got Christmas Vacation. Not it. The Polar Express. Oh. The Polar Express. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. the Polar Express. They have the bell thing in there. I don't think I've seen that movie all the way through. I don't really like it. Yeah. It's another Zemeckis. We were talking about that last week in our Christmas Yeah, Carol where it's discussion. like vis- the, the priority is visuals and then Anything story. Else. Story. Yeah, and then at the very bottom, the songs. <laughs> or the songs Robin, are so who bad. Who sings a song that is like identical to the song from Elf. Yeah. Or go read the book. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of these Christmas stories are based on picture books of ten pages or less. Right. And they try to make a feature length movie (laughs) about it. And it's a sweet book. Like I really like the book, but I don't watch the movie. Okay, next one. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? That one is it's a wonderful life. That is correct. That is correct. Good for you, Cole. Okay, I bet you can get this one too. Which I don't even really consider that much of a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Like Christmas the last, happens at the end. The last and 10 minutes or so. Just like we talked about with all our Christmas carols, television specials around Christmas will often do It's a Wonderful Life as right. their kind of framing thing. Good film, though. Good film. Yeah. Okay, next one. This is my house. I Home have alone. to defend it. Oh, we both got it at the same time. <laughs> I do love Home Alone. Yeah. We were both young boys when we watched that, so... Rewind it only to the part where he's doing the traps and then watch that over and over and over again. Every time. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Okay. Like how you said that's rewind. No way too, to watch that movie. Because you watched movie. it on VHS. What? <laughs> that's the best part. As a little boy, there that is like a Christmas gift in and of itself. And it's anytime that it Carol traps. the Bells thing, like they cue you in when to stop rewinding. Okay, real quick. The opening scene is awesome. Quick, real quick. Um, Favorite trap that Kevin sets. So I love in the second one how he throws the two paint cans, but then he's got the giant pipe that comes at him afterwards. Because they're counting. They're like, oh, we got you this time, Kevin. And then that's three. And then the pipe falls off and hits them when they're down in the hole. And then that's four. You know, a couple of the worst ones from part two, because every one of those would have killed those crooks. (laughs) Um, The one where Marv... Uh, is it Marv Daniel Stern or is it Harry? Yeah, Marv's yeah. Daniel Stern. Marv uh, is being electrocuted and you see his, his skeleton. skeleton. <laughs> right after he had been painted And I'm not all talking over. like, you know, like an x-ray type of thing. It's just like a wig on a skeleton. Yep. Or the tool chest that comes coming down, that goes down the stairs and crushes them. And then they have to, you know, readjust their nose as they do. And Daniel Stern says, I think that was the sound of a tool chest. Coming, Coming down, down the stairs. Yeah. Oh, uh, I guess the brick would be a good one because that one is the first one and it would have killed them. Yeah. Brick to the face from like five stories up. Anyway. Sorry, Mickey. Anyway. No. <laughs> we digress. No, <laughs> no problem. All right. Here we go. It's Christmas Eve. It's it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We smile a little easier. We We cheer a little more. That sounds really familiar. Not to me. Mm. Uh, okay, we're going to need the multiple choice on this one. Okay. Is it four Christmases, Christmas <laughs> vacation, Scrooge, or a Christmas carol? That could be Scrooge. I have no idea, and I think I've watched most of the most of these recently. <laughs> I've watched, like, every Christmas carol. I've watched four Christmases. I've watched Christmas vacation. I couldn't tell you on Scrooge because I am not a fan. Yeah, I'm going to guess Scrooge just because I assume that's the one that Jeff and I zoned out during. That was correct. Hey, Scrooge. Wow. Okay. I'm a good good test taker. I graduated college. (laughs) I am not a good test taker. (laughs) Okay, here's the last one. I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. That was a mind pretzel right there. They're talking about Santa Claus. Repeat that again, please. (laughs) I don't think that there's any harm in not believing in a figure that many do acknowledge to be a fiction. Oh, my gosh. Did Shakespeare write that? It's kind of Miracle on 34th Street? Ooh. That is correct. It was Miracle on 34th Street. I took a stab in the dark and I got it. Good guess. I think I won. I I think you did too. <laughs> Are you sure about that? You surprised me. I don't know. Me. I you did got know, at least three. I did. Good I surprised you, myself. Cole. I've seen a couple Christmas movies this year. Well, it's never I mean, too late. Y- y- it may be weird to go back and watch some of these Christmas movies, seeing that it's after Christmas now. But you know, we won't judge you here at Screen Cleaning. And hopefully you were playing along as we played that little trivia game. I think game. Christmas goes until you have to go back to school. That's the way there I always go. did it in my family. Yeah. Mickey, thanks for putting that together for us or looking that up for us. Thanks for taking it. When we return, Jacob and I are going to look back at some of our favorite Christmas movies, and then we're going to get into a little bit of silver lining cinema when we return. This is Screen Cleaning. Screen Cleaning. 
The holidays are upon us, which means it's time to dust off the Christmas movies and watch them for the hundredth time. Our good friend Jacob Gallons is back with us on the show. Jacob is a YA author, a young adult author, Comic-Con panelist, he's an avid gamer, and he's a complete Marvel geek that we like to... uh, have some fun with on the show. Today, he and I will be highlighting some of our favorite Christmas movies, and we're even going to suggest some you may not be familiar with. Jacob, welcome back to Screen Cleaning. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back. I'm super excited because the last time we shared our lists of our favorite Marvel films, they were pretty different, and I'm, I'm guessing that our Christmas lists are going to be different as well. I, I, I can only imagine. <laughs> now, I should say that some of these films are probably films that you're well familiar with, probably on some of your own favorite lists. But uh, again, we will get to one or two that I'm sure you have not heard of, or if you've heard of them, you probably haven't seen them. So, Jacob, we'll go back. Uh, we'll do our fifth to the first, and I'll let you start with your fifth pick for your favorite Christmas movie and why. Okay. My number five favorite Christmas movie is Elf. Uh, I think it's really funny, and um, it is kind of a charming story. We actually used uh, some elements of this movie when we did some of our storytelling back in our college days. That's true. Um, And uh, it's just – I think it's hilarious. It's one of Jon Favreau's best films. So uh, my number five goes to just barely Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, this isn't one that I necessarily watched over and over and over and over again growing up. But now that I have kids, it is one that we watch over and over and over again. And I don't think it's the greatest work of art, but I really appreciate the message that Dr. Seuss has at the heart of this story, which is really Christmas is more than just gifts. It's about feeling love. And, of course, you know, they don't they don't go into the whole uh, Christ part of Christmas, but um, yeah, I wish more people would would follow this idea that it can be about being together as family. It can be about sharing love, and if you're religious, it can it certainly should be about Christ. So uh, my number four pick will be Home Alone. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess I guess I'm leaning comedy right now. Uh, Home Alone is funny. It's a movie of my childhood. Um, it was. Uh, uh, it's you know. It's just. It's irreverent. It's uh, it's a classic. It's got just some great slapstick performances from Joe Pesci and I, I don't remember the tall guy's name, but Daniel Stern. Daniel Stern, exactly. Yes, the voice of and Kevin the, from uh, The Wonder Years. <laughs> yes, uh, I think I think I just love the whole home invasion protection bit. It's just it's just a classic. Tell me if this was you when you were younger. Did you just fast forward to the part where the crooks were getting beaten up and then just rewound oh. those parts over and over and over again? Yes. yes. Yeah, and you know, Home Alone Two is even more brutal in the beating oh, of the crooks. It really is. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and you don't realize that until you're an adult. Yeah, you realize. Wait a minute! Every single one of these would kill these guys. Yeah. Yep. My number four. I have to add a disclaimer. This is the edited version of the film that is one of my favorite Christmas films. Do okay. not watch this film unedited. Um. Yeah, you've been warned. It's Love Actually, 
And I'm a big sucker for movies that have multiple storylines that somehow interweave at some point uh, later on in the movie. And this film just has a lot of funny storylines. It has some heartbreaking storylines. It has some heartwarming storylines. And uh, any movie with Rowan Atkinson is <laughs> is going to be funny to me. I'm probably in the minority on this, but my favorite storyline involves Bill Nye as the uh, aging rock star. <laughs> yes. What's your number okay. three? My number three is Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Um, it's uh, you know when I I watched that film when it first came out, and I had no idea it was gonna it was gonna spawn this whole like gothic. Oh my goodness! I mean, it is it is huge. I mean, there's just I mean, it just became a it became a, a cult classic. Um, but uh, it's got great music by Danny Elfman. The songs are terrific. Uh, the claymation still holds up today. I think it's still a great film, um, and uh, it's you know it, you could definitely say that it's a Halloween film instead of a Christmas film. But I think uh, I think it I think it's still a, a great Christmas movie as well. Oh yeah, and it's totally true. If you go into any hot topic store, it's all Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My number three is Elf. Hey, there we go. Elf has become one that we've watched every year without fail. And I was, uh, I didn't discover this movie until about a year after it came out. And it's it's a movie that has genuine belly laughs. You fall in love with the character that Will Ferrell plays because any actor that commits to a role that well, you know, 110%, it's infectious. The joy that he exudes, it's it's just infectious. So yeah. Elf, of course, the story of, a, of an orphan who accidentally ends up back at uh, Santa's workshop and is raised by Santa and his elves. So he grows up thinking he's an elf. And uh, he finds out later on that's not the case. And he goes to New York City to find out who his dad is. And just so such a funny performance by Will Ferrell. And then to balance that James Caan hilarious in his just absolute distaste and annoyance with Will Ferrell's character. My number two is uh, Mr. Kruger's Christmas. Now this uh, one you're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to explain this one for sure. So this is, this is uh, one of the, back in the day when the church was the, you know, our, our church was putting out a lot of uh, short films like Johnny Lingo, Cypher in the Snow. Uh, they did a little film directed by Keith Merrill called Mr. Kruger's Christmas Starring uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, oh my Stewart. goodness, I'm, thank you, Jimmy Stewart. Um, he was very old by the time. This is one of his last performances, and he did it on the condition that he could direct the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And so it's a story of an old man who is kind of lonely, and about how he kind of captures the true meaning of Christmas with some carolers. It's short, it's sweet, it might make you cry a little bit, but it's uh, it's a really heartwarming little film that uh, has a beautiful moment where he is uh, talking to the nativity scene, and he, he kind of envisions himself in this nativity scene, um, and uh, it just it's just really a really poignant film with a Christian, a strong Christian message message. How many other Hollywood actors have direct the Mormon Tabernacle Choir on their bucket list? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Not very many. I remember hearing that and thinking it was so cool. Okay, so that's your number two. 
My number two, I don't have to explain the story because it's it's an old one, but it's a different version of it. It's Muppet Christmas Carol. This is another one that I didn't really grow up watching very much, and uh, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the funniest Muppet movie there is. But as I got married, it it became a movie that we began to watch every year. And I even tear up at the end of a Muppet movie, if you can believe that. And it's Ooh. it's Kermit as uh, as Bob Cratchit, and it's got um, Michael Caine as Scrooge, who plays a pretty good Scrooge. Yeah. And it's it's tough to resist the message of this movie as well. And I love stories about redemption, stories that tell us, you know, we we can have a second chance, we can we can improve ourselves. We it's not too late. It's never too late. Great message and rather funny. Muppet Christmas Carol, my number two. So what's your number one, Jacob? So my number one film uh, is It's a Wonderful Life. I know it's another Jimmy Stewart movie, but it's a classic. And uh, it surprised me to learn that it wasn't always a classic. In fact, when this movie first came out, it didn't do very well. um, and, And it wasn't until years after its release that people really caught on. And what I love about it is that it, um, it's about a man who has given and given and he's at his he's at his end. He's at his wit's end and he needs a miracle. And so, uh, you know, he gets visited by this angel who shows him what the world would have been like, what the town at least that he lives in would have been like had he not ever been born. And um, it's just a great story. Um, it's uh, it's very touching and uh, it's got great performances, but it's my number one Christmas movie. I do agree with you. It is a great film. Uh, I think the reason it didn't make my list is because, first of all, we didn't really, I didn't really grow up watching that every year. And also, I don't know that I've ever considered it to be a Christmas movie because the Christmas aspect doesn't come into the movie until probably a good hour and a half, two hours into the film. Um, Yeah, but excellent film. And again, another one that I tear up in frequently. Um, my number one is one that is shared by many, many, many people, and it's A Christmas Story. And just like It's a Wonderful Life, it's not a film that did particularly well when it came out. It took years for it to really pick up steam and get people to the point where they were quoting it left and left and right and going to uh, the film locations and buying the leg lamps and all that. Christmas Story, it's narrated um, by the author of the book upon which it's based, and it's just about this little boy. All he wants for Christmas is a BB gun. Just a very funny, sweet film that we do not miss. We watch it every year. Uh-uh. Ugh. That is the sound of our Silver Lining Cinema stinger. This is the Christmas edition, which means we're going to be giving you five reviews for Christmas movies that get overlooked uh, each and every year. Some might say rightly so, but we're going to take a different spin on these Christmas movies today. We're going to give them positive reviews. This is BYU Radio, after all, and so therefore we're going to talk about the good in these films. We're going to be hearing from myself, as well as Cole Wissinger, and a couple of our frequent collaborators, Joel Hilton and Jacob Gowans. So, Cole, 
First, let's you and I give our reviews for a couple of Christmas movies that you may not have heard of before. I watched Santa's Little Helper,、mm. not to be confused with the dog from The Simpsons. Although、Aha. the writers of this movie were kind enough to give me that reference during the course of、oh, it as well. Oh, good! They know that it's the name of the Simpsons dog as well. Okay. Santa's Little Helper is produced by the WWE film arm of that World Wrestling Entertainment, and. Did you know that's a proven organization? It is. They have done many great things for these actors that are also buff. The Rock. They often include them in their movies. Correct.、Uh, this is actually my fourth favorite movie featuring a wrestler. Really. The first being、wow. They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper. The oh yeah. The second being Hulk Hogan playing Thunderlips in <gasps> Rocky Three. Yes. The third being. Literally every movie The Rock has ever been in, and then the fourth is、uh, Santa's、okay. Little Helper. You, you might want to check the math on that, but okay, okay.、Fourth? I think it adds、okay. up. And、okay. the Vince McMahon of the WWE has wanted to make movies for a very long time, going back to the '80s when、uh, John Carpenter got Rowdy Roddy Piper to be in They Live. Vince McMahon was super jealous. The very next year, he came out with、uh, No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Oh, that's right. I have not seen that film.、Though. It wasn't good. <gasps> okay, but we're talking. We want to talk about the good in this good. movie.、Okay. Santa's Little Helper is a Christmas movie,、um, and they remind you by featuring the very. Familiar and understandable Christmas hero of the guy that doesn't really understand the holiday and is down on his luck as the movie begins.、Mm. Poor the Miz loses his job, he loses his girlfriend, and he's about to lose his house right before the Christmas season. Wow, Merry Christmas! Yeah, and so we're automatically sympathetic with the Miz, Miz's character, and <laughs> come into the rescue. Old Saint Nick himself to give him a little pep talk、uh, that the Miz unfortunately does not heed.、Uh, he's、oh, no. a bit of a Scrooge. So Santa goes back to the North Pole and sends one of his elves. Unfortunately, an elf with round ears. She's a bit of an outcast. It's like Will Ferrell and Elf. Yeah. Okay. And she goes down to the the Earth world between the poles. I think I know where we're going、Miz. with this plot, but keep going. She sends him through a little task, and actually, Santa has a job opening up at the North Pole for the Ho Ho Ho. Wow! And that job stands for the head office herald of holiday operations. I love that. Which That's is clever. Legitimately clever, <laughs> and I love. So this this attractive young lady elf with round ears goes down to help out the Miz in his quest to find the meaning of Christmas. By the end, he does, and he proves his Christmas worth through an obstacle course,、uh, going up against another world wrestler,、uh, another lady elf from the North Pole.、Uh, we get to see them do wrestling things in the jungle,、uh, up on these high-flying, acrobatic-looking obstacles, and it's a fun time. Santa's little helper, starring little the Miz, I, who, who with whom I'm not familiar. He does wrestle. Okay. In the film, in the film also. Oh, that's There, good. As he's losing his job early in the film, we get to see a couple of his signature moves as he's that's good doing what we all would like to do to our bosses if they fire us,、uh, wrestle them. So I want to mention that you and I randomly selected these two films. Oh yeah, it, honest to goodness, put、yes. it through a random selector thingamajig. And my film also stars a wrestler, and it's called Santa with Muscles,、ah. starring Hulk Hogan. 
whom you referenced uh, just a minute ago. Santa with Muscles is the story of a very wealthy man who's rather selfish, played by Hulk Hogan. He sells uh, supplements and he sells uh, bodybuilding equipment. And he is playing paintball one day with with his cronies, with his uh, entourage, I guess I should say. And he's on the run from the police because he, for some reason, starts shooting paintballs at a police car. And he's on the run. He takes, uh, he finds refuge in this mall, disguises himself in a Santa suit, is then pushed down a garbage chute. And when he wakes up, he can't remember anything. And there's this guy that's looking for a mall Santa and recruits Hulk Hogan and keeps calling him Santa, so much so that Hulk Hogan's character thinks that he actually is Santa. So now you have this guy that was really selfish before who wants to do good because he thinks he's Santa, right? And uh, listen to some of these character names. These are the evil villains of the film. Ebert Frost, Mm -hmm. Dr. Blight, Dr. Vile, Dr. Watt, And Dr. Flint. So it kind of gives you a bit of an idea of what those characters do in the film. And these evil characters are trying to buy out or trying to take over this orphanage so that they can access these magical crystals that lie underneath the orphanage. What I love about this orphanage is that there are only three orphans in this gigantic building, which goes to show, you know what? They could have just shut it down, justified doing it because there are only three orphans left. But to me, it shows that they really cared about these little orphans. And uh, I love the casting of this film. Not only do you have Hulk Hogan, you have Ed Begley Jr., who is in all those mockumentaries that Christopher Guest made. You've got Clint Howard, who is famous for being Ron Howard's brother and shows up in a lot of movies like this. You've got uh, Don Stark who, if you're not familiar with Don Stark, he was uh, one of the dads on That 70s Show, also from That 70s Show, featured as a little kid in this film, Mila Kunis. There you go. What a cast this is. It's just amazing. What I love, another thing I loved about this film, you get to hear Hulk Hogan sing in a church, no less. So if you've ever wanted to hear Hulk Hogan sing, see Santa with Muscles, uh, another thing that I loved about this film is it brings families together. It was about halfway through this film, and my five-year-old daughter came in, and from the moment she walked in to the end of the film, she was riveted. Whenever a, a, a character was in peril, she grabbed her mouth and said, Ah! She was invested in this movie. She laughed when the bad guys you know, fell down or got hurt in some way. She really enjoyed this film. And one thing, I, one other thing I'll say about Santa with Muscles is it's a movie that knows what it is. It's not trying to be anything other than it is, which is why I'm going to go out on a limb and say, of all of the films that we've done in this Silver Lining Cinema segment, this is the best of those films. Wow. Yeah. What an endorsement. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Okay, so Joel, I want to hear about Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny. So Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny is a timeless tale about uh, Santa Claus getting stuck on the beach, uh, his sleigh stuck on the beach in Florida. Mm. And he's down there and he's stuck. He can't get anywhere. His reindeer have flown off and gone back to the North Pole because they got too hot. 
And then he meets, he telepathically communicates with a group of children to come and find him and help him get out of the sand. And they bring him several animals, like a, a donkey, a horse, a pig, a sheep, a gorilla. They try all these different animals to try to pull him from the sand, and they can't. So they sit around, and they're getting discouraged, but then Santa tells them a story. And uh, here's one of the amazing things about this movie. Depending on which version you see, you'll see a different story. Because in one version, you'll see him tell the tale of Thumbelina. And so it's a story within a story. Uh, the version I saw actually showed Jack and the Beanstalk. Um, but it's amazing. You don't know which version you're going to get when you start out. So um, it's always so a I new watched, experience. That's fantastic. It is, it's amazing. And let me tell you, you know, the the uh, the fairy tales they tell, they weren't long enough for a movie. So they did their best to stretch the story as long as they could. Uh, Santa talks about how hot it is so many times. So you really know how hot he is because he keeps bringing it up over and over again. You really get that feel. Yeah. Um, they actually also were going to film a, a Huckleberry Finn story, a Tom and Huck, but they didn't, uh, they weren't able to finish it. So they just used uh, repurposed footage from Tom and Huck and added it in. So it looked like Tom and Huck were in the forest watching Santa be stuck in the snow or in the sand. I keep wow. saying snow, but there's no snow. So wow. you get to see Tom and Huck have conversations and they're not even interacting with anyone else, but they didn't let that footage go to waste. And I think that's an important message is to not let any footage go to waste because waste not, want not. Am I right? Exactly. Also, you know, uh, notoriously, children and animals are hard to work with, but they managed to get the children and the animals to walk across the screen. And you get to see them walk from one point of the beach to other to another point of the beach with no cuts and no edits and no uh, idea what pacing is. And they allow them to just do what they want to do. And I think that's the trick is just letting them talk over each other and wander around. And uh, finally, one uh, point I'd like, I think I'd like to point out is that this movie, in, in this movie, Santa wants to be presentable for the children. So even though when he's at first there and he wants to take off his, his jacket and his hat, he realizes he needs to be Santa and needs to be presentable. So you see him uh, take off his jacket and then put it back on multiple times. And you get to see the process of how Santa gets dressed which is thrilling to watch multiple times as he takes off his jacket and puts it back on again. And uh, in the end, you know, the ice cream bunny, for some reason, just drives in on a fire truck and takes him uh, away, takes Santa away. And they leave his sled there for a bit. But it does, spoiler alert, it does disappear and go back to the North Pole. You don't see it, but you just assume that's where it goes. Um, so it, it's amazing to me how they're able to throw in a character right at the end that has nothing to do with anything else in the story. And they drive through a theme park for some reason, but it's all about, you know, the children and having a, a, a large creepy, uh, excuse me, um, characteristic uh, creative bunny. There's the word I'm looking for. There you go. Um, I think that is a wonderful thing to have something that doesn't even exist like an ice cream bunny. There's no real folklore surrounding him, but they created their own and added it to the, to the mythos of Santa Claus. I watched Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. Oh, okay. I had never heard of it. Um, so it was a wonderful exercise in, in uh, <laughs> taking a chance. Um, the premise of the film is that there is a grumpy cat who lives in a mall pet store. 
and she very much likes being alone. And uh, uh, a girl um, who's also very much alone looking for a new friend gets a coin from a mysterious mall Santa and she puts the she puts the coin into a wishing well and wishes for a new friend and she now has the ability to telepathically communicate with Grumpy Cat. Hmm. And so See, her this and sounds Grumpy like Cat, a sounds like a great fun film. You know, it really was. You know, there's a lot of classics that have come from lifetime movies like Baby Monitor, The Sound of Fear, Ooh. or Yoga Mat Diaries. <gasps> Wow, I gotta check those out. One of my all-time favorites: "Stolen Identity," "Stolen Heart." Ooh, uh, so, you know, I wasn't surprised that Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever was the best Lifetime Christmas movie that I have ever seen. Wow, my goodness! Uh, Grumpy, yeah, Grumpy Cat is voiced by Aubrey Plaza, so that's you know, I mean, she's great on Parks and Rec. Um, A great grumpy person, yeah. Yes, yes, and she makes terrific use of her renowned deadpan speaking style. Uh, she she injects tremendous energy and life into the voice of Grumpy Cat. Um, and so you know that when a movie takes place entirely in a shopping mall, that it's going to capture the true spirit of Christmas. <laughs> uh, this film shuns those so often overused tropes like subtlety and situational humor and instead slaps you to death with slapstick comedy until you're crying from the jokes. Wow. Um, it even employs a new use of meta humor in which the narrator herself points out how bad some of the jokes are. Really? Yes, yes. There are literally lines from the film like, why are you still watching this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so you really connect with the narrator. I mean, it's amazing. Um, so people who would like this movie are people who enjoy pointless romantic subplots. Um, Christmas carols being performed with a kazoo. Mm, yeah. Cat people will really like this movie. Not a cat person, but I am an Aubrey Plaza, uh, Plaza fan. Yes, so fans of Aubrey Plaza will like this movie um, because uh, she has no concern for the film's quality herself, so you shouldn't have any either. Um, if you really like Air Bud or Matlock, you would also enjoy this film. Mm. It's, I would give it five Christmas ornaments. Ooh, my... that's great. Okay, I'll have to figure out a rating that I'm going to give uh, for my film. Okay. It's simply called Santa Claus from 1959. I'll get to the plot here in a second. But one thing I like about this film is that we see a, San a Santa Claus that is religious for once in a film. The first thing you see him doing in the film, he's setting up a manger. Now, oh. I, I will add that he is also laughing with the most uh, creepy laugh I've ever heard. But he's setting up a manger. And then he goes over to this organ and he starts playing on the organ. So they, there's an element of music in it. And he introduces the audience to this thing called Toyland, which is he has all of these different children from countries all over the world making toys for him and dancing and singing for him. Um, wow. You know, I, I wouldn't say that they were slaves, but uh, they were – let's just say they were working for him. And uh, they – I love that this film did not want to exclude any country. They wanted to be very inclusive. 
They, mm-hmm. sp- in fact, they spent seven minutes on this scene, going from country to country to country to country, more countries than I even thought existed. We're we're seeing a lot of mashups with all these superheroes, bringing them all together, putting them into one film. I don't think you're going to find another mashup quite like this one. You've got these three characters in this film. Santa Claus, obviously. Mm-hmm. Merlin, the wizard. Ooh. And the devil. Oh. Talk about a mashup. Okay, so here's the plot of the film. Santa works in outer space and does battle with a demon sent to Earth by Lucifer to ruin Christmas by killing Santa and making all the children of the Earth do evil. Wow. Now, it sounds it sounds harsher than it actually is. It's it's a Mexican film that was dubbed in, into English and sent over here to the States for one or two uh, runs, I believe. Another thing I like about this film is that I'm a very value-minded person. So I like to feel like... You know, I'm really getting the the uh, the best bang for the buck. So mm-hmm. imagine my surprise when I pressed pause on the film and only 20 minutes had transpired when it actually seemed like a good hour had gone by. So <laughs> so that means I still had a good hour and 15 minutes left. So again, they're they're very conscious of the value-minded viewer. Uh, I thought the camera shots were very interesting. They didn't spend any time on those claustrophobic close-ups that we see in so many films. They just they focused almost all of their time exclusively on far-off camera shots uh, with the camera planted in one spot, very little movement, I, you know, because so many films like to make us sick these days. And they didn't feel like all of the detail they put into the costumes and the scenery, they didn't feel like they had to get up close and show any of that detail. So you could just sit back and enjoy it from a very comfortable distance. Um, I love how much time Santa took delivering presents to kids because, you know, everybody does the math. Oh, if Santa delivered presents to all the kids around the earth, then he would have to travel at such and such a speed. I like the fact that he slowed down and it really shows you that he cares about each and every kid. So he visits six kids in 45 minutes. Uh-huh. Takes him forty five minutes to deliver uh, presents to six kids' houses. Okay, <laughs> um, and at one point I thought maybe I was watching one of those old. You remember those old Smellovision movies where you can smell certain things that are appearing on the screen? Okay. Yeah. Um, well, Santa has the sleeping powder that he blows onto these children so that they'll fall asleep so they can't know that he's in their house. And I thought maybe I was watching a Smell-O-Vision film because there was one point in the movie after he blew some of the sleeping powder on these children that I had to admit I dozed off for just a little bit. So whatever they did uh, (laughs) to cause that was very effective. (laughs) So that is Santa Claus from 1959. And you watched Grumpy Cat Conquers the Mall. What was it called again? Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever, 2014. It's a, it came out in 2014. Again, these are two films that so many other people are just lining up to say horrible things about. We wanted to say something positive about them, not just because we're BYU Radio and we like to talk about good, because it's Christmas season. We should have a positive attitude and be happy. And let's face it, you could do a lot worse. And there you have it. Five Christmas films that you likely may not have heard of, but maybe you should check out and look for the good this holiday season. It is the season of giving and holiday cheer, after all. 
We want to say thanks once again to Joel Hilton and Jacob Gowans, a couple of our friends here on Screen Cleaning. When we return here on Screen Cleaning, we're going to be doing a little panning for good. There's good in them dire hills. And now we come to the part of the show, Panning for Good, which is Cole's favorite part of the show. I just love the prospector. And seeing how, seeing as it's your favorite, Cole, we're going to let you handle our Panning for Good segment today. Well, sometimes we do our own panning and we try to find the underappreciated films or comedians or television shows for you. But sometimes there are entire organizations that will just do it for us. Every year at the end of the year in December, the National Film Registry lists off 25 new films that they induct into their... Uh, hall, it's a Hall of Fame for movies. 25 every year? 25 every year. And this year, there are a couple that you've heard of and a couple that you haven't. So mm. there's some deep panning in there, and there's some also easy gold to find. Like Jurassic Park made it this <gasps> year. Oh, yeah. That's not too much panning, but it's been inducted into the National Film Registry. And just if I could just on Blu-ray. read off the 25 new entrants sure. for this year. Bad Day at Black Rock from 1955. Broadcast News, Brokeback Mountain, Cinderella, 1950. The original cartoon Cinderella was not in it until this year. That's mind-boggling. What a great film. One of my favorites Days from Days of Wine and Roses, Dixon Wanamaker's Expedition to Crow Agency, Eve's Bayou, A Girl Without a Soul, Hairpiece, a film for nappy-headed people, <laughs> Hearts and Minds, HUD, the Informer, Jurassic Park, yes. The Lady from Shanghai, Leave Her to Heaven, Monterey Pop, My Fair Lady. I've seen My Fair Lady. <laughs> I have not heard of a lot of those. The Navigator, On the Town, One-Eyed Jacks, Pick Up on South Street, Rebecca, which oh, I have heard great of. great film. The Shining, which I have definitely heard of, Smoke Signals, and Something Good, Negro Kiss. Smoke Signals, that's a big deal. That's a movie – what year was that one? Yeah. That's a film uh, that involves Native Americans and it's kind of a comedy, kind of a family comedy. I've only seen it once. It was a while ago. But it's a funny, uh, interesting film. So some that you've seen, some that you haven't, but all have been recognized for being filmly significant this year. Filmly. Filmly yeah. significant. I'm pretty sure that's the official words yeah. that the National right. Film And they go uses. in the Library of Congress, don't they? I believe After so. This? Yes. So this is, this so is these a are the, big deal. These are the films that, like, when the apocalypse comes and we need to get into a bomb shelter, these films get a ticket into that bomb shelter. Yes. And wow. I don't think you and I do. Oh, man. But the films will survive from the library. I, well, I guess in the name of film surviving, then I, I guess that's okay. What was your favorite one on there? Is it just Jurassic Park? Or... Jurassic Park, out of all those, is the most rewatchable of all of them. I, I mean, how so. many? I mean, that's the that's one of the films that when it's on TV, no matter if you ha- own it on DVD or Blu-ray, you're gonna sit down and watch it on TV. It's that good. So many good lines from Jeff Goldblum, and really the best of the entire franchise by a mile and a half. Yes, and when the third Jurassic World comes out, maybe we'll revisit that conversation we had before where we rank our Jurassic Parks. Right. And the first one um, reigns supreme ahead of the others. 
Well, there you have it. We've enjoyed giving you a little bit more of Christmas, even though it's after Christmas. And we really hope that you have a happy new year. And we will see you in 2019. Where we'll talk about our favorite movies from 2018. I'm looking forward to it. And you'll hear Cole complain about the early movies of 2019. As always. Happy New Year. This is Screen Cleaning. Screen Cleaning.